and then get into the word for today. Heavenly Father, we ask you right now, God, to um, cause us to be focused. I guess it's our choice. We can choose. But God, help us to be focused on your word. Help us to hear what you have to say. God, I pray that as, as words come from my mouth, they not be my words with uh, my individual perspective, God, but they be words that come from you through me, reflective of your heart and helping us all, Lord Jesus, to just learn a little bit today about you and your glory and your greatness and about what you are calling us to do and how you are shaping us and, and looking after us. God, in that vein, we pray that in this place right now, that our heart and our focus will be 100% on you and you'll, you'll look after us, God. Open our eyes, open our ears, spiritual and natural, Lord Jesus. In your mighty and precious name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, um, most of you know I was away last Sunday um, preaching at Harvest Christian Church in Horsham, which is where Zoran Pornovich uh, is the senior pastor. And Zoran, as you know, has been coming backwards and forwards to preach down here every couple of months. In fact, next Sunday he'll be with us again, so it's going to be fantastic. He's a footy fan, so we've got him a couple of tickets to the uh, Geelong and Adelaide game on the Saturday, and uh, I'll suffer for Jesus and go with him. And... Um, <laughs> and Nice victory for you Geelong supporters yesterday too, by the way. Not looking real flash there for a little while, Milton. Yeah, Milton, where is he? There he is. Yeah. Nearly, nearly three, three losses out of four games wouldn't have been good. Beat Melbourne, actually, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, had a great time in Horsham and Adelaide because uh, I went to Adelaide first to catch up with Nick and Meredith Resky uh, and Danny Guglamucci and see the church that Nick's now working on called Hope Church and go back and visit Danny and his team at Edge Church and let them know what's happening here at Connect Church, all these churches. And um, they all send their love, so please uh, receive their love. While I was away, on the Sunday morning, I preached some of the learning and new normal things that we've been walking through. Uh, and there was a lady there that, that took a communion. It was a beautiful communion. She had a lovely heart. And uh, she referred to a few stories from her own life. And one of the stories made me think. And while she was, you know when someone's talking and you start thinking about something else? That would probably never happen. Anyone here? <laughs> and she was talking and, and doing a great job. But I was thinking totally about something else because one thing she said just grabbed me and it painted a picture in my head, so I started scribbling it down. And it matched so beautifully with where we're up to in learning a new normal in Romans that the two fell together. And here we have a message today, learning a new normal number 10. Let me read scripture and then I'll tell you what the picture, the image in my head was. We're in Romans chapter 4. We're reading from 18 to 21, just a few verses. Romans 4, verses 18 to 21 says this. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he'd promised. The image that was stuck in my mind as I listened to this lady talk through communion was, I'm sure, a pretty familiar one to all of us. It's the image of a small child in a large crowd, looking for parental security. A small child, a bit lost, not quite sure where it is, hunting 
for its parents. It's a kind of frightening, haunting, haunting image. And I'm sure we've all either experienced it, been the child, been one of the parents, or seen it happen, uh, whether it's at a, at a parade, in a shopping centre, somewhere where there's a lot of people and a lot of adults, tall people, children can get easily misplaced or lost or disconnected from their parents. So this image of this little child feverishly looking around, trying to find familiar kneecaps, trying to find well-known shins, trying to find that set of legs that that child knows will offer security and safety and a place to remain forever. That little kid that's kind of wandering around and you can see them and they're looking and they're going, no, 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 no. And they are looking for that place where that set of legs, it's their set of legs, and in that sea of legs, in that crowd of knobbly knees and bashed up shins and long shorts and long pants and short shorts and skirts and all sorts of things, they're looking, looking, looking for that familiar set of legs to hold on to. Trouble is, children are small by nature on the whole, which means in a room or a place of larger people, a little one can easily not quite see correctly. The perspective is not always quite right. There is a limited perspective when you are so much smaller than everybody else in the room. So often, and we've seen it, the child can make an incorrect choice. They will head toward a set of legs that looks like the familiar well-known set of legs and might be similar. So they'll go and grab that familiar looking safety, thinking they're providing safety, and they'll grab onto those legs. Sometimes they'll be there for quite a while until they realise their mistake by looking up and then going, "Uh uh-oh, that's not my set of legs. That's not my set of legs. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as dead as good. As good as dead. Since I was about 100 years old. Sitting on my desk and that Sarah's womb was also dead yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised Abraham hung on to the promises of God Abraham clung to God Abraham found his set of legs Abraham knew what to hold on to. And don't forget, Abraham, like you and I, had plenty of choices. Clearly, Abraham was an influential leader. We we read scripture, we follow his life and his pathway, we can see that. Clearly, he'd done a few good things. So, I put it to you this morning, Abraham could have chosen to believe in and cling to himself and his own self-importance, if you like, a reputation-based set of legs. He could have chosen in the crowded sea of legs that are opportunistically 
available to us all, as he looked out in life and went, what will I cling to? What will I base my future on? What will I invest my faith and my belief in? Oh, I could do it in myself because I'm a pretty good guy and I've got a great reputation in this place, said Abraham. I could choose to base my clinging to that set of legs on self-importance and reputation, but he didn't. Clearly, he also had a bit of money. He had some property, he had some livestock. We read about it. So he could have chosen to believe in and cling to and hold on to his belongings. Call it, if you will, a material possession set of legs. He could have looked out into life and gone, what things will I base my life on? What things will I attract myself to? What things will I look around in the crowd and grab hold of and cuddle and hold tight to? I know what I'll do. I'll hold on to material possessions. That's what I'll do because that will give me the security and the safety and the strength that I need. That's what I'll do. The material possessions set of legs. That's my set of legs. Clearly he had the opportunity to also attempt to redirect decisions. He was certainly a man of influence. So he could have tried to alter choices and decisions around him and in his life and in the life of his family and and the clan that he was leading to his own personal gain and ambition. He could have chosen to believe in and cling to his own desires and ambitions, call it a selfish, me-first set of legs. I think you're getting the point. There are real choices that Abraham faced I don't think they're any different to the choices we face today in 2009. He looked out into the crowd. He looked at the choices that he had facing him in his life. He could have chosen the reputation set of legs. He could have chosen the material possession set of legs. He could have chosen the selfish me first set of legs. But he didn't. The Bible records in what we've just read, Romans chapter 4, that against all hope, Abraham kept believing even when circumstances didn't look all that favourable. The Bible continues and says, without weakening in his faith, he kept going. The Bible records, again, he did not waver and continued to follow and serve God whilst waiting for the promises to unfold. This is, this is incredible. This is good stuff. He clung on to God for dear life. He stuck to God in those promises like glue. He was determined to see it out to the very end. This is why he's recorded in Scripture as being a man of great faith. He was not going to let go of that set of legs called God. He was clinging on with everything he had. You might say he was cleaving to God. It's a good word to use, actually, because uh, I discovered in the last couple of weeks, I like words, you know that, and I was playing with that word. And I discovered that the word cleave, that we sometimes use in marriage ceremonies and things, when a woman and a man come together, are united in marriage. We talk about leaving the uh, existing parental family and cleaving to your husband or wife, cleaving together. The actual original um, meaning of that word, the understanding of that word, it's a word picture from the original language in in Scripture. And it's a, a picture of a person holding onto a piece of floating debris with everything they've got like after a shipwreck or after a cyclone or something's gone through, they're holding on to that piece of debris, that piece of floating uh, flotsam, jetsam, whatever's left for dear life. That's cleaving. That's the, the image of the original text of cleaving. It's grabbing on with everything you've got and not letting go. You refuse to let go because you know if you let go, it's not so good. So you hold on tight. And that's what I see here in Abraham. In Romans chapter 4, in just these few verses that we're looking at, 
Abraham was cleaving to the promises of God, cleaving to God, saying, I will not let go, despite the other choices that I've got. As I look around in life and I see all these sets of legs, and I, thinking as a child, we're all children in this world. We all lack understanding. We all have a limited perspective. We all can't quite see every situation the way we'd like to because we're smaller than a lot of other things around us. So we're looking around for answers. We're looking for something that will provide familiarity and strength. We're looking for something that we can hold on to and tie ourselves to and, and create that connection and that relationship, just like Abraham was. And we've got choices. We look out into that crowded sea of legs and we go, oh, okay, I could choose the pathway, the set of legs of material possessions. It's a, it's a good option. Yeah, no worries. I could go that way. I could get my value out of how much stuff I've got. But it's not going to last. It's not going to last. Oh, okay, oh, well, I won't go that way. I'll, I'll go uh, the, the way of just looking after myself, just providing for me, making me a focus, because that way it'll be fine. I'll be okay if, if, if I make sure that I'm all right. But it won't last. But I've got a good reputation, so I'm pretty self-important, and people love me and, and care for me, so maybe I'll just base everything I've got on the fact that my reputation will, will, will be the set of legs that I can cling to and hold to, and that'll be fine. Well, no, it won't last. We've got to choose a different set of legs. We've got to choose a set of legs that's not going to change, a set of legs that's going to provide us with constant and eternal security, a set of legs that will never let you down, a set of legs that won't change, a set of legs that gives you everything that you require for life and living. The question is this, what set of legs am I holding on to? In my life right now, what set of legs am I clinging to? The point is, if we're honest with ourselves, we should be able to admit that we do have this limited perspective. Just like a small child, we're searching, we're, we're looking, and we do make wrong choices, every one of us. But it's not the end when you make a wrong choice, because you can let go of that set of legs and keep looking for the right set of legs. And the deal with this whole learning a new normal process that we're walking through is literally just saying enough is enough. Enough is enough. It's time to live differently. It's time to make a change. I would like a new normal, please. Let's just quickly take three normals, the ones we just mentioned, and just put some scripture to them and, and make a decision this morning that these three things are, are not going to be the set of legs that we cling to anymore if we, if we have before. The first normal set of legs that often the world encourages us to cling to is reputation. So we see it all the time. Things that are said or not said, done or not done, just in order to protect or create a reputation. The classic at the moment in this country, and I hope I don't get myself in trouble for saying this because this is being recorded, but <laughs> um, I don't want to say anything wrong because there's court cases and things, but the classic for me at the moment is the High Court judge uh, Marcus Einfeld, who lied in the last couple of years about some driving offences that were brought his way because he wanted to protect his reputation. The High Court judge, he didn't want to be caught speeding and, and being drunk while driving and all those sorts of things. He had a reputation. So he said that it wasn't him driving the car. But as they unpacked the lie after the lie after the lie, they found out that it was him driving the car and he was lying. And there are now massive consequences for this 70-plus-year-old man who's a high court judge, well-esteemed, and has a massive reputation. 
But you see, you can't build your life on reputation. At some point, it's not about you. At some point, things will unfold because we all make mistakes, because we're all human. Look at the person next to you. Say, God, you must have had a sense of humor. (laughs) We're all human. We all make mistakes. So there's no point in basing your life on a reputation-based set of legs. If all you've got to cling to is your reputation, you're on thin ice. Romans 12.3, For by the grace given to me I say to everyone, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves in sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. You can't cling onto reputation as a life-giving source. The new normal is God. Second normal that the world encourages us to hold on to is material possessions. This is a biggie. (laughs) This is a real biggie. And we all struggle with this at some stage or some time in our lives. Make no mistake. We all buy and accumulate stuff all the time. We've got more stuff than we know what to do with. How many people moved house in years and still haven't unpacked all the boxes? And you go, do we really need all this stuff? We just don't need it. If you're not sure if you need all the stuff that you've currently got, take a trip to somewhere like Vanuatu and just alter your perspective. Just go to Africa, go to Indonesia, go somewhere and change your perspective. You don't need all the stuff that you've got. I don't. We don't. And we constantly battle with it because our world says you are valued according to how much stuff you've got. How much money in the bank, the size of your house, the the style of your car, the shape or the cut of your clothes, and how much stuff you've got. We just don't need that much stuff. And if we're basing our lives on the accumulative power of stuff, well, we're in trouble. How many people have noticed that in the last two years we've had a little bit of a global financial crisis? Just a little bit of a letdown in a few areas and suddenly the things that you were holding on to that you thought were worth X are now worth X minus Y. Because it's stuff. It has no eternal value. It cannot change your life. It will not change you as a person. Stuff along the way might give you some good memories and good holidays and good fun, and you need some money to pay the rent, buy the mortgage, you know, do those things. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. By the way, the Bible, we've got to correct that. We always make sure we say that. But we get it wrong. We quote that, that money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. The Bible says that money, the love of money, is a root of evil. So it's actually not about money. It's about our relationship with it. It's about our decision to say, I'm not going to let material possessions and stuff be the thing that I cling to. There is a better set of legs out there for me to cling to than material possessions. Matthew six nineteen to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can't cling on to material possessions as a life-giving source. The new normal, God.